Welcome to the Motor Mouth Podcast with Harry Benjamin and Tim Sylvie. This is the place where we meet some of the biggest names in and around motorsport, chat about their lives and everything in between. We've partnered with the Brain Tumor Charity, a cause we care deeply about. And this March is Brain Tumor Awareness Month. And we'll be sharing a couple of special podcasts uncovering those within the motorsport community who've been affected by these devastating diagnoses. Plus, the Brain Tumor Charity is also running the Conquer the Challenge from March through to May, a virtual fundraiser for those fitness inclined. And there's a leaderboard. So if you're competitive, then this is definitely for you. All the details are at the Brain brainchumorcharity.org. Together, we can help every single person affected by a brain tumour. This season, we're delighted to be teaming up with Grid Rival. If your football mates are constantly going on about their fantasy leagues, well, now you can get your own back and create your own racing fantasies. Thanks to Grid Rival, including F1 and MotoGP, you can select your own teams and drivers, interact with other fans, and join or create your own leagues where you can trade on the go to make sure you have the ultimate lineup for every race. If you're as obsessive about motorsport as we are, make sure you set up on Grid Rival today. Head to their website, gridrival.com, or download their app from your app store. 2021 leagues are now live, so download the app, set up your own league, or you can join ours. Come on, have a go with us. Just search for Motormouth Official, select your team and drivers, and we'll see who comes out on top. Hello, everyone. Tim Silby here. Now, before we introduce today's guest, I need to head across the airwaves to Essex to the English county, which, among its credits, can lay claim to producing the world's first car digital photograph. Yes, in 1972, Michael Francis Thompson published a photograph of his wife on the cover of Electronics magazine, a photo that he and his team used to showcase their groundbreaking technology. Well done, Chelmsford, for yet another claim to fame. However, we're not here to talk about photography. No, we're first here to introduce my co-host, Harry Benjamin. How are you? Are you sure you haven't used that one before? No, never. It's a, that's, oh, okay. that's, a, that's a first. Interesting. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, I'm I'm all well. Um, I I don't live in Chelmsford actually, sadly enough, but yeah. a bit bit far out from me. But yeah, no, I'm all well. How are you, Timothy? I'm all right, thank you. I'm, I'm happy fortieth, by the way. Yeah. You're really old. Thanks very much. Yeah. Cheers. You're for welcome. That. Yeah, you bastard. Um, should we crack straight on because we don't have long with today's guest? I think so, but we always do really well under pressure. So we let's do. go. Let's kick into it. So today we're delighted to be joined by Alexander Rossi, the Nevada City-born American star, has the rare honor and addition to his CV as being the winner of one of the biggest races in the world, if not the biggest, the Indy 500. He's won races and championships in multiple categories, including Formula BMW, where he got the most poles and victories and was the youngest open wheel racing champion in US history. He's had success in GP3, which is obviously now F3, GP2, which is now F2, and has even made it to the arguably pinnacle of motorsport in Formula One. He's even got his own podcast alongside fellow racer James Hinchcliffe. It's our absolute pleasure to have him here. Alexander Rossi, welcome to the Motormouth Podcast. Thank you very much, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you, Alex, for joining us. First of all, how, how are you getting on uh, over there, gearing up for obviously Daytona? And it must be a pretty busy start to the year for you. Yeah, it is. Um, so it, it was kind of crazy last week. Um, we had our first IndyCar test um, <clears throat> at, at Sebring, which is a, a quite a famous track over here in the middle mm. of Florida. And then um, that same day was kind of uh, the first day for Wayne Taylor Racing and, and Acura um, <clears throat> to, to start off the 2021 IMSA um, Sports Car Championship. So I was driving both cars kind of on the same day. And then um, we had the roar before the 24, which is kind of the, uh, lead into the 24 hours Daytona, which is, which is next weekend. So 
right now it's just a lot of um, preparation and uh, meetings and practice pit stops and driver changes and, and media and, and all that goes along with what is uh, one of the marquee races in the world. So I'm excited to, to get it started on Saturday. And uh, and Alex, we, we've we caught you at a, an interesting time. You're actually in your car, hands-free, of course. Where, where are you off to right now? Well, you're a busy man. What are you doing at this very moment? Where are you headed? Um, so I'm actually, I just left the gym and I'm heading to uh, the simulator. Um, came home to Indy, Indiana for about 36 hours and doing my day job of being an IndyCar driver before I go back down to Florida to resume the sports car stuff. Wow. So you literally are juggling it, you know, as it is. How do you find switching between the two cars? Is it a huge, like, what's the, I mean, there must be obviously a, a difference, but is it, is it quite difficult to adapt? Does it take you a couple of laps just to get into the swing of things again or? Uh, not really. I mean, I've, fortunately, neither of, of the cars have really changed a whole lot the past couple of years. Mm. Um, they've been pretty pretty familiar and, and static from a development standpoint. Um, you have little things here and there, but yeah, it sounds cliche, but it's really like riding a bike. As soon as you do a couple corners and, and you get used to the new environment, it, it all comes back to you. But, you know, I'm fortunate that the DPI car, um, the, the sports car, if you will, is, is not really like a GT car. It's, it's pretty much an open wheel car just with, mm. with body work and a roof on it. And it's also um, kind of a very similar power unit to the IndyCar engine. Obviously, I drive for Honda and IndyCar and Acura um, is the is the sister company to, to Honda um, on the sports car side. So a lot of familiar faces, a lot of familiar um, control systems. So it's it's pretty easy for them, mm. fortunately. So balancing IMSA and IndyCar at the moment. But, you know, it all kicked off in karting for you. And, and of course, you were the last American in, in Formula One. Talk, talk to us about your journey from karts to, to that first big pinnacle event for you. Because it's not common, I suppose, for an American young driver to make their way over to Europe and, and make it as successfully as you did up the ranks. Yeah, you're right. And, and the reason for that is, is really not because there's any less talent in America. Um, it's purely because, I mean, to your European racing and Formula One is, is, is very much that. It's, it's a European sport, and it's very difficult, near on impossible, for uh, a young American driver to kind of go through a U.S. ladder system and really be given any credibility in Europe. You know, the, the, the Formula One teams and the driver development programs want to see drivers in their own kind of world and see them adapt and, and watch them develop as they go through the F3 and F2 ranks and, and be considered for a Formula One seat. So the reason why you don't see many American drivers over there is it's very difficult to convince parents to move their lives while their kid is 12 to 15 years old, drop out of school for the most part, be homeschooled yeah. and go live and race in Europe. Yeah. And, and really that's, that's the, the number one reason in my mind where you don't see more kind of American guys give it a go just because the commitment for, you know, your entire family's life yeah. has to has to change. And I was very fortunate to, to have kind of the parental support to allow me to go do that. How, how is Formula One perceived in the US at the moment? We don't really hear much about that narrative. Two questions, really. How is it perceived in the States? And um, and how do you perceive it personally in, in the modern era of Formula One? I think in, in the motorsports community, it's 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 very well perceived. I mean, we all know that the Formula One, in a lot of ways, um, really in all ways, is is the most technologically advanced cars in the world, race cars in the world. Um, 
goes to, to some of the greatest tracks in the world and has the greatest teams and drivers for, for the most part. What is often talked about in the same kind of breath as that is that because the, the cars are so advanced and because the regulations for the most part are so open, it's quite boring. And for, for American fans, sports fans, you know, they have so many options here, right? Whether it's the NBA, the NFL, um, baseball, golf, NASCAR, IndyCar, Formula One, like they want, they're going to be attracted to the, the most entertaining item that they can lay their eyes on. Yeah. And because Formula One doesn't really have a rich history and isn't embedded in the culture like it is in Europe, um, you know, Formula One, it, it has its niche market. And, you know, the, the Austin race um, was up until 2020 and COVID and, and all that chaos, you know, was going up in attendance and gaining popularity. Yep. Um, the, the Indy GP in Indianapolis was hugely popular until, you know, that that famous year where, where all the uh, Michelin tires couldn't, couldn't compete because they were having <laughs> failures. Um, so, you know, Formula One, and, and the other thing is there's no American driver to cheer for. Yep. Americans are very patriotic people, right? And it's, it's hard to get behind a German guy or a Spanish guy <laughs> or a British, French guy, like whatever, right? They want to they wanna cheer for an American, which, you know, was one of the really good things I had going for me is I, I did have a lot of support um, from the U.S. side of things for people that were passionate about F1 because they wanted to, to have an American representation. And, um, you know, I think Haas has, has done uh, a decent job of, of kind of gaining interest. But at the end of the day, you know, they're not really an American team. It's an American owner, but it's run by an Austrian and it's based out of England. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's very difficult. Like I said, even for teams, right? It's very hard to be truly American, but not have roots completely in Europe. If that mm. makes sense. Yeah, well, I was just about to ask you, you know, obviously having the American team on the grid in Haas, but you're absolutely right. It, it's probably, you know, it, it, maybe it's an American team on the face of it, but actually the inner workings of it. We had Connor Daly on the show as well, and he went, you know, we've got a, we've got a, a, a supposed American team on the grid, but they don't want to take an American driver. And it just doesn't seem logical. But as you say, I suppose once you get into the internals of it, it's not really an American team, is it? They operate very much in a European way. Sure. And like, just because they're American, it doesn't mean they're obligated to take an no. American driver. But what is interesting is you look at, you look at what Red Bull did back in, you know, the, the mid 2000s and, and they had the, the Red Bull US driver search and, and Red Bull saw that, you know, there's quite a big market um, for their products. If you look at, you know, a Mercedes Benz, if you look at a, back then a BMW, a, a, a Toyota, you know, the number one market for all these manufacturers and, Red Bull as a product is the United States. Um, so there was a really good reason to try and get an American driver and gain the American interest. Um, so it, it has always been strange to me that Haas hasn't had some sort of American driver development program. Mm. Like, no, maybe they don't find anyone that they deem is good enough to be in a seat and they shouldn't be forced to put an American in the seat, but at least try and nurture and grow the talent. Yeah. Um, and then reinvest a little bit into the U.S. driver market because you have that kind of. If you're if you're trying to use the U.S. as, as kind of a, a marketing tool, then you should probably maybe give back a little bit. If that makes sense. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes. That's just my opinion. So. <laughs>
A quick interruption to the show to remind you to check out our sponsors, Grid Rival. Grid Rival is an absolute must for any racing fan. I've been looking to join fantasy motorsport leagues for absolutely ages, and Grid Rival does that and so much more with an experience like no other. Real time fantasy games, the best content, and a community of fans. Grid Rival is a must for 2021. Get ready for the motorsport season with Grid Rival today. Fantasy leagues are now live, so make sure you head to their website it's gridrival.com or download their app from your app store so you can set up your own league or join ours just search motormouth official and you can join our league and go up against us if you think you're tough enough now um how do you look back at your time in formula one you you didn't necessarily get a fair crack at the whip you were there a little while you did some work with um a few teams and and, and did some races with uh, Marussia or Manor or whatever their um, designation was at the time. How, yep. how do you look back on your, your time in Formula One? And do, do you think we'll ever see you back? Um, I'll start with the last question. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, the, uh, the, the other parts of it, I, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard question for me to answer. So from the age of, of five, when I was first introduced to racing, I wanted to race in Formula One. I grew up in a household that, we woke up at 4 a.m., 3 a.m., and, and turned on the race on Sunday, and we watched Formula One races live, and that was that was my passion. So, regardless of the real, the realistic, the realism of of the goal that I was trying to to achieve, um, and the uphill battles that was going to come with that, I wanted to race in Formula One. My father and family was committed to helping me achieve my dream, and and for all intents and purposes. Considering I didn't, I came from a, a middle class family. I didn't have a huge corporation um, behind me. I didn't have a, a country behind me with the tourism board writing checks. Like it, it, what what my father and I ultimately by ourselves accomplished, I'm, I'm hugely proud of, um, and I think is 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 very unique um, to to the sport in a lot of in a lot of respects. And I couldn't have done it without the the connections that I had with Team Lotus that became Caterham, mm. and then the the relationship that I had with with Marussia, which became Manor, and and all of these were really positive relationships. But through that process, there was a lot of a lot of opportunities that were either promised or literally contracted that didn't end up happening for for one reason or another. And for me to be able to just say that throughout all the adversity and, and challenges that, that we came through to be able to actually make five Grand Prix starts on merit um, and be given that opportunity is, is most of the dream fulfilled. Obviously, I would have loved to have done a full season. I would have loved to get the opportunity to, to drive the car in 2015, uh, or sorry, 2016, when it had um, its Mercedes connections. Mm. Um, and, and that year I was supposed to be uh, Pascal Warline's teammate. And there was a lot of really exciting things coming in 2016, but ultimately it wasn't meant to be. And, and I got the opportunity to come back to the States with Andretti Autosport. And I was introduced to a side of motorsports outside of Formula One and, and fell in love with it. And um, I, I love racing in the States. I love uh, what American motorsports is all about. And you know, there's a lot of people that I really cherish in, in Europe and in Formula One that, that I miss, but the actual sport of racing in Formula One, I, I lose no sleep over it. 
Yeah, uh, well, as you say, you know, you, you had you didn't have quite the full crack at it, but you you really showed your metal and you beat your teammate quite quite uh, frequently. I think if not every single race you in, in Formula One, um, but you go from you know celebrating P14 in in a Manor Marussia to 2016, you know, roughly a year later, and winning the 100th running of the Indy 500 as a rookie. That must be that must have been difficult to comprehend, perhaps, or you know, going from such yep. you know such different types of winning, I suppose, because people seen it in a manner is a pretty decent result. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, so before we get into the five hundred, like like that's one of the things that I think all Formula One drivers that aren't in a in one of the top three teams, you know, speaking with with Kevin Magnussen just two days ago um, when he was here in, in Daytona. It was like he's so happy just to be able to have the opportunity to fight for wins again. Mm. Like, yeah, the cars aren't as fast. They're not as cool, for sure. But, like, that ultimately doesn't matter. What we fell in love with at a young age was being able to, to drive a, a car at the limit and compete for, for victories with your team. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, an Indy car or a DPI car, while it's not a Formula One car, it's – you know, it's kind of the second and third best thing, ultimately. Um, maybe fourth best thing if you consider an LMP1 car. So at the end of the day, they're still pretty cool, right? Yeah, I'd and argue so they still just, look like beasts. So <laughs> Exactly. And and they're just so much more fun to drive because a, a Formula 1 car is, is hugely digital. Yeah. You know, there's so much technology and there's, they're, they're so refined that you have to drive it in such a specific way that the engineers envisioned and built the car around. Whereas in, in, in these types of cars, you know, you just go out there and drive the shit out of it. Yeah. And usually that's quick. Right. And, and yeah. that's, that's awesome to be able to get back to that and just being able to hustle a car and you as a driver can, can make a difference. So yeah. um, going back to the Indy 500, like I had zero expectation or inclination that I was going to come even remotely close to winning that race. Um, <laughs> It was my second race on a, on a super speedway uh, or sorry, second race on an oval, my first race on a super speedway. So all I was trying to do was just get through the Indy 500. Um, <laughs> and so when the race was kind of going on and we were at one point, I think as high as fifth or sixth, I was like, man, this is going to be pretty awesome as a, as a rookie to qualify 11th and finish fifth and all this is, I'm pretty excited about it. And then, you know, chaos happens in the pits and we get on an alternate strategy and we actually end up winning it. I was dumbfounded. Like I, I had no idea of the magnitude of, of a, what had happened, but B, it was such a surprise to me because like, I didn't even think I was going to finish the race, let alone win. And, um, the other thing is that was not only my first Indy 500 that I raced in, that was the first one I had ever attended. So there was wow. so much that was, was kind of lost on me. Yeah. if you will yeah. um and it, it's funny it felt yeah. it, the the post race interviews you could almost sense that with your inter- you you almost sure. looked shell shocked um it, it was a surreal thing and and how, i i you know obviously a huge motorsport fan i watch formula 1 all the time but that i i said to harry before that's the one race of the year that i am glued to from start to finish your guaranteed action guaranteed excitement is chaos in the pits i mean how they get away with that in terms of safety i will never know but it's a it's a brilliant race huge congratulations for that now we're going to um push on um and uh i'm going to introduce you to our our quiz mr rossi this is the hardest Okay. quiz in racing because 
Let's be honest, nobody really knows the answers, but it's a quiz about you. I'll hand over to my colleague, Harry, to introduce it and see how you get on. Over to you, Mr. Benjamin. Welcome, uh, Alex Rossi, to the Motor Mouse Quiz, the hardest quiz in motorsport because, well, the questions are all a bit random, but they are all to do with you. So you should be able to at least have a stab at them. I've got, oh, well, we've got three bits of uh, clips from either a bit of team radio or an interview you've done. And basically, we're going to play it to you and you've got to sort of tell us a bit about the context, see how much of it you can remember, who's, what you were talking <laughs> about, where you were. And then there's, there's a bonus point at the end as well. 14 points up for grabs in total. And I'm putting it down right here that you need to beat Connor Daly, yeah. who sits with 13 points. Easy. So, so I have to get them all. Yes. You have to get them all. That's the marker. <laughs> okay. And if I'm feeling generous, sometimes I add in half points. So who knows? Okay. Uh, right. Well. Have a listen. This first clip is a little bit long, but have a listen to it all. And hopefully you'll be able to get the context you at can, the end. Here you can jump in if you know the answer. Here it comes. Get the bottom. Oh, clear, 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 clear. Clear, you're clear, hustle, hustle. Yellow, yellow. Oh, uh, that was Texas 2019. Oh, so close. Uh, uh, you, sorry, you said 20... Uh, what, 2019. Oh, he's gone the wrong sure? way. Oh, yeah. I, I thought it was... Was it 2019 or did I get it wrong? I thought 100% it was 20... 2019. Oh, Harry, you're way off. You know, it, 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 this is why no. this is the hardest quiz yeah, in no, motorsport. Yeah, no, it's 100% 2019. It is, okay. Colton Herta, Colton Herta was there, so yeah. Uh, well, you know what? I'm going to go with your judgment on that one and not mine. So <laughs> I'm going to give you um, the three points. Texas IndyCar 2019. Those three points in the bag. Well done. Um, we'll move on swiftly then to clip <laughs> clip number two. Uh, uh, I think definitely got this one right. Here we go. Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I was trying to, to hang with them, but it's just a little, it's impossible. So at the end of the day, it was um, I enjoyed every lap of that, and it was great fun. Slightly tough. So what, what's going on there? What are you talking about? I don't know. Oh, we couldn't no. tell you. No, I, Absolutely if, I, if I give you a clue, I'll say it was okay. uh, it was uh, Singapore. Oh, was it? Oh, okay. So I guess just Singapore 2015. Yeah, and like a post-race interview. Yeah, uh, yeah, and was, you had a bit of a, an, a, an issue on track because you you lost sort of something something to do. Right. So I lost I lost radio communication, and yeah. I was like, I restarted the race like in the way of the leaders, which was weird. <laughs> nice to be up there, though, I suppose. Um, I, I will guess. give you that guy. I'll do, I'll do two and a half points because I gave you single. Okay. Two and a half out of three. Okay, here is uh, the next clip for you. Have a listen to this. I love this. Oh, my God. Back in the Oh, my God. Ah, uh, so, yeah, that's the 500 in 16. Uh, yeah. So. Got it it's great one. to cry. It's great to cry on on a global broadcast. It's really nice. <laughs> it shows the real you. Well deserved. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, right. We've got one more question for you, then the bonus question. So uh, the final okay. question for you is: How many points did you score in the 2020 IndyCar season? Oh, might as well have been zero, man. Completely <laughs> <laughs> irrelevant. Sorry to be no <laughs> no, If you get if you can get ten within ten either way, I'll give you the point. I, uh, 200? Oh, I'm afraid not. It was 317. Yeah. 317. Oh, okay. so, in, you know, in 2020? Yeah. Really? I huh. Hey, Wikipedia never 
for lies. Okay. I so, mean, that's, that, that might be true. Man. Okay. Great. I mean, that's all right. Awesome. Yeah, Good for it wasn't. Me. It wasn't. It wasn't that. Well, it wasn't that bad. Uh, okay. It was right. But, bad. Yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got. To, I've got to pick you up. Um, okay. But you're doing, you're doing well in this quiz. But bonus point. You need this bonus point. Okay. okay. When is Connor Daly's birthday? Uh, uh, December, Ooh. December 91. Oh. I think it's December 10th. Oh, oh you know, I'm going to, oh, 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 two bit, bit more. Keep going. 14. <laughs> one more. Fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> He's got it in one. Yes, that's the full <laughs> point. There we go. Fifteenth of December, ninety-one. I'll give you that. Um, yeah, right. Okay. Right. Let me just do the maths quickly. Three. I'm quite impressed. <laughs> I don't know any of my friends' birthdays. I'm quite quite astonished. That <laughs> well, clearly, well. I didn't either. Yeah. yeah well, December ninety-one. You're not far off. Uh, well, that, uh, okay. Right. I've done the maths, um, and I'm afraid uh, you haven't beaten Connor. Um, that's and fair. you've and you've got. Hang on. Three. Yeah, I've done the maths right. You've got Both nine points. nine points, Alex. Nine points, which which because we've had about had about forty people take part in this quiz, <laughs> so that does put you down uh, in about thirtieth position with um, you know what? That, Thierry that really Neville. Sums up, that sums up my twenty twenty. Let's just go. lump this into last year. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah, we go. well, so thank you very Connor, much for did playing. Did you ask Connor my birthday? No. no, you know what? We didn't we'll because get, we'll, get him on again. Um, well, we hadn't had him on the podcast yet. So, <laughs> oh right, that's fair. I, but uh, he wouldn't know. I guarantee you. Ask him how old I am, and he won't even know. No, I think you know Terrible what we need to do. We need to do like a a, a, a sort of a, a new a new table of people and have them read like a, a final sort of settler question and yeah, make sure you know everyone's you on a level playing field. So we'll get back in touch. With we've Connor, uh, get that one done. We're, we're we're very short on time, so we're going to fire straight to our final three questions, which we ask all of our guests, and uh, we're going to kick in straight away with the first one, Alexander Rossi. What has got you excited at this very moment? Um, I think we have a real good shot of winning the 24 Hours of Daytona. So um, that's that's one of those bucket list races. And um, I think we, assuming nothing terrible happens, I think we'll, uh, we can give it a crack. So I'm excited about that. That's awesome. We'll see how that ages because this is being released in a few weeks' time. So either that's gone down really well or really badly. <laughs> okay, wonderful. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Um, okay, next one. If, uh, if not doing what you're doing, being you know, a professional racing driver, what would you have done? What would you be doing? I think I'd be a downhill skier. So my dad was a big skier growing up and I grew up in, in the mountains in Northern California. And that was kind of my passion before race cars. So awesome. nice. something that oh, I love a bit of skiing. That's a great um, Tim, Tim's got the last one. Harry, you're too tall to ski. You, you like a ski. You are a I'm ski. A, I'm a pro skier. I've been since I was four years old. Thank you very much. I'm very impressed. Well, Fantastic. Um, final question for you before we let you get back on with your day. What are you scared of? This is going to be embarrassing, but um, lightning. Oh, really? Have you had a uh, particularly? Yeah. So my house, when I was really, I don't, I don't want to say really young, but I was like six. Um, my house actually got struck by lightning. Wow! Oh, uh, wow! Which was a terrifying experience. Um, what, what happens? Not nothing. It's just very loud and yeah. very like bright and dramatic. And there was like a like a hole in the roof. Jesus! Um, oh my god! Which was kind of crazy nothing but i mean and the power goes out but other than that nothing wow well fair yeah. enough i think that's 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 a pretty that's a pretty fair fair thing to be scared like of. Like, like you 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 think about lightning and, and when it's close you're like wow that's a big crack but like when it's 
in your home. Oh. Like it's it's pretty wild. Yeah, that's amazing. That's a, that's a good fear. But, well, thank you for that. That's that's the first time we've had that fear, and we've had some really embarrassing, <laughs> really. I mean, we've had some odd ones. We've had people scared of tea bags and tiny holes and all sorts of weird things. So that's interesting. A, a fairly yeah. normal one. Um, Alexander yeah. Rossi. Thank you so, so much for taking the time out of your ridiculously busy schedule to join us from your car. Um, we wish you all the best with um, this coming season. We hope it goes ahead as much as planned as possible in these really difficult times. Um, you're an, you're an honour and a gent. Thank you so much for joining us. Alexander Rossi, that's been the Motor Mouth Podcast. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Before you go, one final reminder to check out the team at Grid Rival, the place to be for the 2021 motorsport season. If you think you really know your F1 and MotoGP, fancy yourself at making a bit of extra cash, setting up your own or joining a fantasy league, and making sure you have the best driver lineups for each race, all whilst getting access to the best motorsport content and chatting to like-minded fans, then Grid Rival is the place for you. Leagues go live at the end of February, so make sure you're at the front of the queue by getting notified as soon as they're ready by heading over to their website gridrival.com or download their app from your selected app store and get prepped for a brand new season of motorsport with grid rival now if you're a really lovely person and fancy supporting the podcast further just head over to patreon or the link is in the podcast description we've got some great goodies and bonus content to give you if you sign up just search motormouth official on patreon and there are three levels of membership to choose from thank you so much for listening to the motormouth podcast do make sure you give us a follow on our socials twitter at motormouth underscore instagram at motormouth underscore official and facebook just search motormouth you can also download the motormouth app where you can get exclusive video content from mmtv create your own social profile to interact with other fans and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy we're also proud to be supporting the brain tumor charity too so make sure you check the links in the podcast description to find out how you can help cure brain tumors quicker don't forget to like subscribe and review and until next time you've been listening to the motormouth podcast